you missed us we are back the football fives is back we are recording for the first time in quite a while life has very much got in the way dan has gone freelance as i'm sure many of you know ryan is now pretty much in charge of the bbc chris has had to get rid of some nonsense off the internet so much pornography you wouldn't believe uh, and I joined a death cult. But now we're all back together. Uh, life going forward should be a lot easier for all of us. Uh, so we have no Dan tonight. I'll say that straight out because he is currently in Italy watching... Which game is he watching? Inter. In, oh, is he watching Inter Barca? He's watching Inter Barca tonight. Uh, but you've just heard his voice for the first time in how many months, unless you listen to the Styles Council. And if you don't listen to the Styles Council, what the hell are you doing with your life? Uh, but that is the internet's Chris Knee. Chris, is it good to be back? It is good to be back. Welcome to season two, everybody. Planned break in the summer. <laughs> uh, and we are, we are back for the second go at it. Uh, Ryan. All right. Also joining me. And joining us and being back. Is it good to be back now you're in charge of the BBC? This is nice. This feels nice. It's like coming home, isn't it? It is. This just is reassuring that, you know, I get back to doing this with my week. Yeah. Old jumper still on the old chair. You know, it's all, it's all lovely, isn't it? Fits like an old glove. Um, suitably, the theme for this one is what have we missed? Um, and I, I think it's fair to say we've missed quite a lot. So we've tried to, rather than just talk about the World Cup over the summer and various other things, we've tried to, to sort of be slightly more specific than that. Um, question number one, how's your team been going in the season so far? Ryan, you must be pretty pleased with how Liverpool are doing. <laughs> Do you know, I, I thought that would be the joke, um, which is uh, you know, hilarious. Um <laughs> Yeah, so far as I sell take other local local team to me, um, and they're doing all right. Thank you very much. Uh, fourth in the league, um, things seem to be going quite nicely. They played three games less than the leader Scarborough. Beat Scarborough three one on Saturday. They um, did. They were excellent. Sorry, they were excellent. Were I, you there? As you know, just to. We may as well tell you straight up front that I obviously have a lot of affection for Farsley Celtic as well, because uh, I used to literally live overlooking the ground. and So I very much keep across their season. Go on, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, well, friend of the show, Simon Benoob, was there on Saturday and he informed me it was a very typical non-league game um, in that it was quite hustle-bustle, 1-1, one, 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 and then far as they were awarded, a, some would say favourable, some would say inexplicable, and then Scarborough lost their heads and basically went around kicking people and complaining about every decision and far as they finished it off and won 3-1. Uh, but yeah, they seem in, in pretty decent nick. They're kind of kicking around in a couple of cup competitions. 
um, still, which is good. M- means that they're behind in the league fixtures and spent all of October playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Um, only lost one game, mind, which is not too shabby. Um, so they've done all right. Uh, Northern Ireland, on the other hand, have not enjoyed the Nations League to begin with, um, which is a bit of a shame because I quite like it as a format. But um, started with a disappointing defeat in the opening game to Bosnia. Dominated, I think is, is fair. Some of that was because we were trailing and, and Bosnia showed up to play on the counter. But 26 goal attempts to five for Bosnia and, and just and still lost 2-1. And the, the consolation goal came in the 93rd minute through Will, Will Grigg. So, um, yeah, that kind of put Northern Ireland on a bit of a diner. Austria and Bosnia have got players of better quality than us. Um, which we have to admit, and it will basically all come down to a showdown uh, next week. Uh, next weekend, final game, assuming Austria don't beat Bosnia, losers get relegated into League C, uh, winners will stay in League B for, for the next one. Where are Farsley Celtic in relation to their historical standard? Uh, they're still at least a tier, if not two tiers below it. So they're in the Evil Stick Premier. Um, Dave will. Dave was kind of around for the time that they went. Yeah, I mean, I, bus, I was but... I was living there when they got into the conference and what have you. And the problem was they built the whole thing on sand. They had um, Glyn Snodin was manager. Mm. Um, was it Glyn or Ian Snodin? It was one or the other. And he bought in a load of. He worked his contacts and bought in a load of loan players from Bradford and Leeds. Yeah, who ended up basically making up most of the first team and they got promoted in quite decent style but the problem is without a you know without a pot to piss in you can't go and buy all those loan players um and then when you're in the conference it's obviously much more difficult because you can't really work your contacts as much because people start wanting fees uh and you know higher levels of payment etc um then they did st- silly things to the ground which they shouldn't have done it's really you know, strange to, the ground yeah yeah to try and comply with the regulations they put all the separation and everything in um which is is still there but it's the doors open <laughs> so yeah. you can just walk yeah. around um but unfortunately they went they went bankrupt they went wallop um and a phoenix club was was raised AFC Farsley, and it went through a couple of other changes, and it's been, has it been? I think it's two, two seasons. Well, it'll be two seasons, two and a quarter seasons now that since they reclaimed the Celtic name, hasn't it, Ryan? Yeah, it's been a, a couple of years. Uh, they are, yeah. yeah so he was the Premier, which I guess is a couple of divisions below Conference at least, Conference proper. So, um, I, I, I think they're probably where. They're happy. We would be happiest. I think anything yeah. this, that they would need somebody to kind of be happy to lose a bit of money mm. to get get a bit higher. They might go up and come straight back down. If you live in Leeds and you haven't been to Farsley, it's it's a great, it's a proper little non-league experience because it's you drive into what looks like a housing estate, mm. uh, and you eventually come down to the, where the apartments are where I used to live. You turn left into a shale car park, and you've just got this little. This funny little football ground that you can't, as I said, it's quite odd is when you look at it because of some of the improvements they've had to make. They've got a tiny little seated stand, uh, but your sort of traditional concrete terrace each end. You can walk round it, no problem. Chips and gravy and a dirt cheap. Decent clubhouse. 
shed with your memorabilia and your old programs in. Absolutely A1 non-league experience, really, Ryan. Yeah, pretty good. And if you're late, you can walk in because after about 20 minutes, they stop manning the, um, the, the yeah. stand, so the turnstile. Um, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. Contribute. Chris, Chris, how's your yes. team going? Are we going England? Are we going Villa? Are we going Sphinx? Well, we'll do England elsewhere, Dave, shall we? Yes. Um, I'll, I'll talk about Sphinx and Villa because um, nobody's interested in Villa. Uh, <laughs> I, the Sphinx are doing doing all right. Uh, I would class it as a good start to the season in the Midland Prem. Uh, a little inconsistent, but have just won their last three games in a row, including two away 1-0 wins, which were very different from one another, but both extremely enjoyable. Um, which leaves them fifth in the table. They are seven points from the top, and there are some big hitters in terms of budget above them. So, Ilkeston Town are top, Westfields, Worcester City, Sporting Council, the teams above them. Um, we've actually we've we've had uh, draws with uh, Ilkeston, Westfields, and Council already this season. Uh, if you count the Vars, so looking in decent shape actually. And and, and um, although there's been a couple of less than satisfactory match days. It's been a very enjoyable experience. Uh, and we have three games in hand on, on Westfields. So we might be able to grab a place there as well. It's it's going really rather well. Uh, and I'm enjoying watching a team that gives absolutely everything almost every week. Um, Villa have been piss poor. Yeah, I I, I would pretty much agree with that. But yeah, JT and the coaches. Steve staff. Bruce had to go. Go on. It's JT. Yeah, I'm he's in, incredibly he's... Uh, pleased to see him back at my club. And <laughs> definitely in line to be your next manager. I would say there's a chance that happens, yeah. I'm actually very, very slightly surprised that he's not the manager already. Um, I am too. I am very much surprised, to be honest with you. I thought that was, at one point, as our WhatsApp discussions... Uh, suggested. I thought that was absolutely nailed on. Yeah, to be fair to him, he's uh, spoken very well about why that's not the role for him right now. He's talking a good game as far as learning goes. But if it doesn't go well, and I think I actually think Dean Smith will get a lot longer than you might expect from a Villa manager not doing very well. Um, mm. But patience isn't infinite. So sooner or later, they'll be looking for a new manager if it doesn't go well, and and John Terry may well be the man in the, the in the driving seat in that regard. But the change of manager is good, positive. I think it's uh, at least in terms of performances is bearing fruit. Actually, he's won two games out of, two, out of four, so it, also in terms of results, he's miles better than Steve Bruce was achieving. And I am very disappointed that they're fourteenth at this stage of the season. I think that's appalling. I think the summer was a disaster for various reasons. Uh, hopefully, a couple of things that happened in the summer in terms of the ownership, one in and one out, both of those are going to be good things. So, the number of times we've talked about a bright future at Villa is, is off the scale, but who knows. If they can avoid any kind of censure for financial fair play breaches or whatever you uh and find some way of unlocking the potential of the owners 
with Dean Smith in as a system manager, and and that club has needed a system for as long as I can remember. Maybe there is something positive in the future. This season, I think, is going to be uh, a bit of a slog. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Um, time to talk Brighton, lads, and all in. Yeah, pretty happy, really. You know, <laughs> what league are they in now? Uh, Premier League, mate. Premier League. Oh, that's the the one at the top, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, it, obviously, it would be sort of foolish to to moan about anything when you're in the Premier League and you're sitting in mid-table. But the, the sort of stated aims for this season were to try and go at a point a game for as long as possible, to try and be safe well before the end of the season. And... Everything is tracking exactly where where we need to be. The only thing I'm going to say, and this is, uh, I am well aware of the horrific and naked arrogance in this statement from where I've been watching Brighton and you know finishing 91st twice in my lifetime, etc., etc. But already in the second season, you really do the the without sort of. I'm not saying this because this is a trendy point at the moment or anything like that. This is something me and Danny Last have talked about at length this season. These games against the top sides are so boring. Um, And we've had uh, Man City, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea. Have we played Chelsea? I can't remember. We've we've had about four or five games against the so-called top six we beat man united obviously which was great but the rest are just such as it's so disappointing to sort of have a week where you're just thinking well i'll take a 2-0 defeat now if it was offered particularly when the premier league when that might be your own game for a fortnight um so there's a there's there's been a little it was a funny start to the season because the fixtures, we had a pretty nightmarish first five or six games. Now it feels like the season has got going because we're into games against people like West Ham, uh, you know, various others that you actually think, well, well, we've got a chance of winning this. We've got a chance of actually getting something out of this game. So it now feels like from, a, you know, I, I can't fault what the what the team's been doing. They've been absolutely great. But from a fan point of view, we now feel like our, season has got going a bit because you can have a lovely day out at Manchester City or somewhere like that but ultimately you're just going to watch your side get humped and there's you know it's just boring to be frank so so yeah no complaints and it's now starting to really get going couple of great wins I was delighted to beat Wolves just because I don't particularly like the business model at that club but I am well aware they're a much better side than us and we got Man United just at the right time. And that's now nine points out of nine against West Ham in the Premier League. So, yes, no complaints at all. Um, question two. We need to crack on. We're already dawdling, gentlemen, just so you know, as per. Uh, question two. <laughs> what's one new conclusion you've drawn from the first part of the season? Uh, we'll, well, we'll stick to the order. Ryan. Jose uh, Mourinho is broken. Um <laughs> And thank you. Uh, well, I kind of, yeah, he's broken and needs like a sabbatical, like a Joseph Guardiola style 12 month sabbatical in New York of, of just enjoying himself and, and, um, you know, chilling out. He just, he looks 
like a stressed man in a stressful situation and doesn't have anybody kind of um, just tap him on the shoulder and ask him if he's all right. No, really, are you all right? Are you sure? He just, and I know he, he just, he doesn't have that spark. Man United have conceded too many goals, and I think it's there's only five teams have conceded more than them in the eleven games so far, and and they're all uh, Burnley and below, except for Rafa Benitez's Newcastle. Um, he just he looks upset, and which is a shame because uh, a guy I went to a, a guy I went to school with is sitting next to him on the uh, in the dugout nowadays, which is you know. <laughs> <it's a, laughs> Half the Premier League either went to your school, lived in your village, or you have some connection to Ryan. Yep, yeah. There's only, I mean, this is, I, th- I mean, there is a, about three of them that went to my school that have then, uh, or lived in my village town that went on to play for Northern Ireland or do something good. And Kay McKenna, who is now part of the Man United first team coaching staff, is one of them. Do you know who was famous came from my school? Absolutely no, no one, because it was a shithole. <laughs> uh, Chris? Uh, I've got uh, Batman, a former editor of the Daily Mail, and people from Blur and Block Party. My one conclusion is uh, that the Championship is actually quite a good place to be for young English players. Uh, the reality of the Premier League now means that there are going to be decent young English players in the Championship. And England need a manager who's willing to at least look at them. And I think Gareth Southgate is. And we're starting to see bits of evidence of it. Um, James Madison, now in the Premier League, certainly benefited from playing in the Championship before moving on to Leicester City, I think. Uh, And he will have caught the eye before this season. Southgate knows all about him. Uh, And jumping from... Uh, you know, cough straight into the Premier League probably wouldn't have worked out quite as well for him. So even if it's players on the way up, good place for them to be in in, in terms of their uh, progress and development. Players on loan, Mason Mount, Dave. Mm, yeah, England no. call up from the Championship. Yes, please. Yeah, now there's a young footballer I could talk for a very long time about. Um, yeah, he he really is. He really is an excellent prospect. Yeah, so he would have needed reassuring that dropping a division wouldn't have hampered his chances of getting into the England squad this season. But I think I, without without turning this into the Styles Council, I, I do think that is another Southgate legacy. I think Southgate as your England manager over a, you know, I use the term in inverted commas, personality. I think if you are a young English player in that championship now, you know that at some point Southgate is the type of manager who will be coming to watch you, and if you're playing well, he will be in touch. Now it's it's still it's a long way to go from that to obviously getting into the squad in the first team, but the whole sort of England rebirth, I think, has been ultimately. I still think the championship is very very flawed, but I think you make a very good point, Chris, that the difference now is it doesn't feel like the wilderness, does it? No. And Jack Butlin will attest to that as well, I'm sure. Mm. It's just players, and he's he's not on loan. He's not on the way up. He's just there, yeah. And he's still getting his recognition because he's still in the in the eye of the manager. Mm. Um, and I think that's Southgate just has this balance in his thinking. He he does have some players who aren't getting a lot of club football still in his squad and in his team. Um, and he's had that leveled as a criticism at him this season. 
but he also clearly values playing time. So the suggestion that he doesn't and that, you know, Danny Welbeck's in because of this and he's so-and-so's in because of that, despite not playing that much, um, particularly in the first international squad of this season, he clearly does value that playing time regardless of where it is. And players that he knows and trusts uh, wherever they are playing, if they're playing, they're in the frame. And I really like that about him. Now, I would prefer those players to go and play in a top flight abroad. I much prefer the, the route that uh, Adam Ola-Lutman took last season, that Jaden Sancho's taken, that Reese Nelson's taken on loan this season. But he is watching those players in the Championship and they are getting game time in the Championship. And when you're talking about Mason Mount versus Phil Foden for a place in the England squad, Championship's been a better place to be. Yeah, I'm, I, think... I have almost no doubt that Foden will break into that Man City team a little bit more this season and will I think he's on the cusp Southgate's a huge fan um, so I think he'll get in there this season but it's certainly not holding Mount back Do you think like Mesa Mount had ambitions of being in the England squad this season before he went to uh, No Mount? that's a fair question actually I think the he, thing... he may well have taken him by surprise yeah I, but I think what some people listening to the podcast may not know is that Southgate has been very, very good even before the World Cup in calling up players from even right down to the under-18s, not into yeah. the squad, but just to come and train. Um, yeah. Mount was and, one of those, actually, wasn't he? Yeah, and be with the first team and experience a training camp, etc. So, you know, Mount's been there, Ryan Sessegnon's been there, etc. And it, it removes some of the some of the sort of daunting nature of a call-up for an 18-year-old player who is immediately assumed to be the greatest player ever to have come from the British Isles. This is what's good about Sancho being at Dortmund because if he was doing what he's doing at Dortmund, if he was doing that in the Premier League for Man City, then I can tell you now the pressure on him already would be immense. Would be, you know, it would be Rooney-esque. So yeah, I th- I think we we've wandered around the point a little bit, but yeah, I think that's a fair conclusion, really, Chris. Mine's a really short one. Uh, I've looked at the season, and obviously I I work uh, in part for Opta now, so I I sort of can see some statistics. I've looked at a lot of things, and I've come to the conclusion that I think Man City are quite good. Um, it it's it's obviously it's not obvious to everyone. But they are good at the footballs. And I think in this week of all weeks, we're doing this in the week that obviously De Spiegel are coming out with uh, various allegations and there is a lot of very icky financial stuff around the club. And I think in future, the way it's going, there may well be an asterisk next to certain things regarding Man City, unfortunately. But in a way that... You know, if I knew a team was all doped up to the eyeballs, but they were playing some brilliant stuff, I would sort of say just enjoy it for the time being. And I feel a bit like that with Man City. I don't. I know the financial stuff is terrible, and this isn't in any way organic whatsoever. But Christ on a bike, they play some lovely football, and I think for as long as you possibly can before it really does get a bit. 
you know, a bit gruesome to sit there enjoying them when you know what's gone before. I think just try and try and enjoy it because that performance on Sunday against Southampton was a team absolutely ridiculing another team in their division. That wasn't a, a defeat. That was a, a a pulling down of pants. Um, question three. Have the changes to TV and streaming rights affected how you've consumed your football in 2018-19? I have thoughts and feelings on this. I'm going to stick with the the little order we've established and I'm going to go to you first, Ryan. Uh, yeah, they have. Um, which is a shame. I, I, I think we talked about this. I, I don't know if we've talked... I think we've talked about this, but not about 11 because they arrived... Over the summer, and we were, you know, busy with the World Cup and, and other things. I kind, I want that format to work. I think that makes sense. I think that's where TV is is kind of going, and, and especially around sports rights and and, and things. And we've seen uh, like NASCAR have just launched their own media company. Not that I care about NASCAR, but they're kind of going into that international streaming world. Golf have launched Golf TV, and they're going to do that. Um, and somebody else who I forget and didn't write down a minute, it's another sport and body has kind of gone, right, we're going to look after streaming rights. And and this is where a lot of kind of sports are going. And in the UK, I think football has to, leagues have to look at themselves as the Premier League is over there and is all-encompassing and everything. And you can't quite compete with that. And you probably can't get the same deals that, that the Premier League need. And like the Scottish Premiership being on two different broadcasts, it doesn't make sense, I think. If you are a league trying to break into the UK market and get viewers, you just commit exclusively to a company and get in as many eyeballs as possible. Eleven sports have just kind of ruined their launch. And I can kind of understand why they did it. They wanted to go softly and, and build up and get the technologies right and, and kind of go with the app and, and mobile and then get onto smart TVs and smart devices and all of that. So I would like it all to work. I would have liked it all to be seamless, but it's just the faff of getting my iPad out rather than just go putting in a different input on the TV to watch something and, and um, yeah I, I tried it uh, for the golf and the start of the season um, and just found myself not using it so I no longer try it hmm. Chris it comes down to money for me as well it's definitely affected how I have watched football this year and not in a good way I have dropped Serie A entirely and that's pretty much my favourite European league. I still watch the old Bundesliga game here and there. I will occasionally watch Rapid Vienna because I'm a dork. Um, but I I go to football at least once a week, sometimes three times a week. Um, so I may not be representative of the typical viewer because the times when football is showed, particularly on, um, on, on Sky and BT, depending on which league you're looking at, I'm either going in or coming out um, in terms of uh, my own matches that I attend. So I I haven't sort of quite liked BT Sport. That is the one that I pay for, for now. And I'm, I'm not really inclined to pay anyone else at the moment. Uh, I, I have this little problem in my mind where I don't really want to give up the one that has all of the Champions League. Um, I don't watch that much of it. I feel quite happy with that. I've got the, the the broadcast that has the Champions League and a bit of Premier League, and that'll do me nicely because I don't get a chance to watch that much. Um, but what that's done is is put me in a position where I can't watch the Italian League, which is unfortunate. And 
I don't, I don't trust Eleven Sports yet, uh, and I don't really like the way they've handled themselves. I think the the, the three PM blackout situation, while it's certainly worthy of a, a, a freshened up debate and a, a look at what that actually means in twenty eighteen, uh, deliberately flouting it is not the appropriate way to challenge it. Mm. And that really pissed me off, to be honest. Um, and if I was to give them that money, then I wouldn't be really be able to guarantee I'd use it often enough to, to justify it. But I, I do miss those Italian games, but I'm sort of happy where I am at the moment and all I've done is basically decided to watch a bit less football, which is sad, really. Mm. I've I've had a very busy start to the season work-wise and I've been uh, you know I've done Leeds, Bradford all of Huddersfield Towns games quite a few Burnley games uh, I was at Blackburn on Saturday so I've I've not had quite the time um, I've had previously but what I'm really missing is the grazing on football you know the game you yeah. you make absolutely no effort to see, but you just stumble across. So it's your it's your Sunday uh, morning Eredivisie game, yes. uh, yeah. etc. And those games, there are there are games still on at that that time on channels that I have. But taking away Italian football in particular for me, which was something I have consumed for you know, like the better part of 25 years, really, uh, as a regular part of my season, putting it behind somewhere where I now have to go and pay for it and it is app-based, so I can't just sit there on my TV, flicking through the channels, watch it for 20 minutes. If it's a great game, stick with it. If it's not, move on to the next thing. Has meant I haven't seen anything. I, I've I've not seen a single... Uh, minute live of Serie A this year, which is right. to me is a huge change. La Liga was was a league that I have enjoyed. You know, two seasons ago, I I must admit I watched most of Real Madrid's home games when they were just absolutely purring. But it's I don't I don't miss that. But obviously, then you have a weekend where you've got the Clasico, and you think, God, like you know. If that was on Sky, you'd watch it, wouldn't you? This, this. I'm not saying you would you would go out and pay for it separate to what you already pay for. But if the class goes on Sky, you make an effort and you watch it. But then you see that they've got you know Spencer FC involved in the hosting, and the whole thing feels a bit cheap. And then if you follow their Twitter account, you see. 50% of the goals after the fact admittedly but you see 50% of the goals from the leagues they cover if you so if you want to sit and go on their timeline and and go through it and i just i just don't know i just don't feel like they're doing anything to make the three of us who i would all consider to be in the higher end of football consumers mm. pay for their pay products for we're not sat here thinking we're getting anything for free no, I mean if they if they said right, we're paying for that. We're going to put on all these games. It's going to be really professionally presented. We've got some great pundits, etc. Then I may well be tempted to have a look. But I I don't know about you two, but it just all feels a bit cheap and a bit, you know, sort of tacked together. And 
breaking the three o'clock embargo, I think they thought was some great big rebellious cry, whereas to me it just looked like, like basically just rabid attention seeking. Um, and yeah, I I just feel I feel at the moment I'm very very busy with work and I will be up and through Christmas, but it's that February March time where things go a bit quieter. Seasons are really getting interesting. Stories are being written. And you you just graze on those games, and you you come across that player or that team that you really enjoy watching, and all that sort of thing. So I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit out of the loop for the first time in God knows how many seasons, if I'm completely honest with you. But you know, I'm I'm still not willing to go and to go and pay for it. Yeah, so, I think you. Sorry, dear. I think you made an interesting point about eleven and and the way they've tried to produce stuff that. They've got what is very much a new technology in the streaming and and being this kind of uh, the the streaming service, but their production and, and everything feels a bit kind of disruptor is not quite the word, but there doesn't seem to be anybody that's done a whole lot of sports production and they're like, oh, we'll do it mm. a different way and people will like that and we'll we'll get people in and actually you kind of want to just do sport properly, um, yeah, you know, put effort into it. You you know people aren't going to give you that much leeway with no for for all their evils sky's production on la liga was nigh on perfect if you think about the people that they had on there in terms of the commentary teams and the co-commentators and the pundit teams now i know a lot of them have moved across to 11 but i don't think that's communicated brilliantly i don't get the feeling there's any proper studio stuff and as i said when you're when your biggest production of the season, your jewel in the crown, which is what the Classico is, when they choose to go and get, you know, Spencer FC as a host, that again just feels like attention seeking, not proper attention. Right, we'll move on. Question number four. Uh which teams caught your eye, Ryan? Uh Borussia Dortmund. I think um, they should have caught everybody's eye. They've been sensational, yeah, haven't I they? Yeah, I mean, a bit of a, a tapping, but it's just been um, really fun to watch them. As it's kind of, they have been a club that kind of either are peaking quite high or not, not a low, but they've, they've struggled. There was a year where they they flirted a little bit with the lower half of the Bundesliga, but um, yeah, some of the things that they've been doing with some of the players in that squad is is just it's nice. Um, Pretty scintillating at times, unbeaten in the Bundesliga. Um, pretty good in the Champions League so far, three out of three. Um, but may have changed by the time we uh, we get this published. Uh, and with a, a nice array of cast out, uh, Marco Royce is their top scorer in all competitions. Uh, Paco Paco Al Al oh, whatever is Al Kazar it's been sorry um their their top scorer in the league and and kind of a from his uh, goals what, to minutes ratio and, and when by the way is insane people, sorry his goals to minutes ratio has been yeah. insane because he's well, he their was, top scorer in the league and he's barely started well he was kind of introduced as a he was signed with somebody that they kind of went oh he, he'll Work his way into the side initially, mm. um, and then has kind of just hit the ground running. And uh, but and then you've got uh, Jadon Sancho, England's great hope, Axel Vittel, who is definitely that type of player. Um, but Sa- <laughs> it's worth just going back to Sancho for a minute because he is he was the same. 
he Dortmund that first eleven is full of players who have played so well that they have forced their way into the first team, aren't they? And that's that's what's great to see about them at the moment. That that first team is made up of of some really exciting young players who are really on song at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, they've got um, Kagawa and Goethe, who would be the two, the two names, have started two league games, three league games between them. Um, and um, Royce has, has obviously been kind of a, a star for them so far. Christian Pulisic, like, and then there's, there's kind of other, Julian Vagel, who is a player I watch in the 100 and, and adore. I think he's very, very good and, and will be very, very good. And yeah, it's just, it's a nice, fun squad of, of really hipster players that could all take over the world in the next few years if they want to, or Dortmund might, you know, keep them together and have a bit of fun. Hmm. Um, that's slightly more unlikely. But yeah, just, yeah, he's not a, a particularly fancy answer, but the, there's been some really, really good, funny goals. Chris? Uh, well, because I'm not allowed to watch the football I want to watch, this is a little tricky for me because I have been pretty focused on the Premier League unless Villa have been on TV. Um, and in the Premier League, the usual suspects have been catching the eye and I am going to swerve those uh, and slightly sidestep the question and say that I want to talk about Everton uh, because while they haven't caught my eye, they've certainly captured my intrigue, I think. I I don't particularly have an opinion on Everton either way and I can't work them out. I'm totally undecided on Marco Silva completely undecided on him I I would never ever ever bet on Everton to win a football match because I never truly go into one believing that they're going to but they've got all these young English players which is a reason for me to watch them because it's something that we have to talk about every couple of weeks um, they're getting playing time to varying degrees there's even some of those who I look at and say I don't understand what all the fuss is about and then the next minute they're popping a goal in I just can't work anything about Everton out um, and they've got Richarlison, who I I have been pretty keen on since that early flurry with with Watford, and it's nice to see him uh, starting to become the player that he he looked when he first came over at decent expense. Let's not forget. But I just I I'm finding so little interesting about the Premier League at the moment, and not having the measure of Everton, who over the years have been one of the more easily measurable sides. Has been just that little, had that little freeze on of intrigue for me this season. I I think I'm going to ask you two here if you agree with this. Premier League this season, I think the difference, the competitive balance is probably more. We we've all talked about it before and we've known how it was going, but I think it's pretty nakedly obvious this season in a way that it hasn't been in others. There are lots of teams that are very good to watch. I've already mentioned Manchester City. If you get the chance to see them, see them. They play brilliant stuff. But in terms of interesting teams, I think there's probably only three. And I think those teams... I think you're right with Everton, Chris. I think Bournemouth, because of what Eddie Howe is doing there and how he is improving some pretty average players... And I think Wolves, in terms of the business model, and is it going to work or is it going to be a spectacular failure? Would you two agree with that? Is there anyone else I'm missing? Mm, I, I would probably package Liverpool up with Man City in that 
categorization. I find Burnley fascinating. As a town or the football team? <laughs> As a team, but not. I think the teams you picked out are interesting in that they will, for good reasons, they will do well. They're, they're going to do well or they're doing well this season. Whereas I think this is the season where we would figure out what Burnley are made of. I've done quite a few Burnley games this season, and interesting is not the word I would use about them. <laughs> uh, anyway. On a similar vein, uh, which player... Uh, oh, sorry, I haven't given my answer, ever. Um, which team's caught my eye? I'm going to go with a very, very obvious one again, but if we, if we, you know, we've already done Dortmund, I'm going to have to say Leeds United, and it's, mm. it's not for Dortmund reasons. I don't quite uh, buy into the Bielsa revolution as, uh, as much as some do. But I've I've done a few Leeds games and I've watched a few Leeds games on TV and they are a, a really fascinating experiment in how far can really tactical, technical football get you in the championship. My hope is, I think it would be extremely good for that division um, and English football in general, in truth, if they can get up this year. Um because I think it would hopefully teach a few chairmen in that league to be a little bit bolder, um, to allow their managers a little bit more free reign um, and to try things. They are at times sensational and at times completely farcical, really. I mean, they're, they're a typical Bielsa side in that when they have the ball, they're utterly brilliant. When they don't have the ball, their only tactic is just to run around like headless chickens trying to win it back. And when they play a team who is reasonably comfortable with that and quite happy to try and play their way through it, uh, they have already been caught out a couple of times this season by you know sides that on paper they should have absolutely walloped. So it's it's for the first time in quite a long time, it is always worth watching a Leeds game if you get the chance. And I know they're not the most likeable club, but this is a very, very likeable team, and they are they are trying something in a division that is not known for innovation. Um, and I think it's I think them and Norwich playing a very different style to other teams in that division, and again having a, a bit of faith in system football and in a manager is. I hope they're both successful. I really do. You know, I, I I was on record in this very podcast saying it was not a very good thing that Neil Warnock was able to get Cardiff City up from that league to the Premier League last year. Fantastic achievement for Cardiff, don't get me wrong, but it does not reflect greatly on that league that Neil Warnock was able to do that. So, so yeah, um, which players caught your eye? Ryan? Um a 23-year-old that has played 200 times, just played 200 times in the Premier League, um, is doing very, very good things with the league leaders. Raheem Sterling is pretty decent. Yes. Um, yeah. And just becoming more and more so, uh, there was controversy when he said he wanted to leave Liverpool for uh, to win stuff and, and do things, and, and he's won the league last year and, and starting now to kind of show what type of player he can be and, and how pretty vital he was going to be for this England side as they, they move forward and as the young players come through and, and kind of 
supplement around him. Um, he scored six times already this season. He scored close to 20 last year and, and we'll probably get the same this year. Uh, Guardiola seems to trust him and, and play him in, in those big games and, and using him sparingly and, and where he needs to and, and dropped him on a couple of times inexplicably, which is quite annoying from a fantasy football point of view. Um, which is something that we all um, are starting to worry about this year, which is is never good. Um, yeah, I like him. I think he's pretty good. Um, and similarly, Johnny Castro Otto at Wolves, um, because he's a player that I fell in love with when I did a bit of the 100. Um, it is nice to have him on my doorstep on TV and most weeks and, and playing as a wing-back and looking pretty good um, as he does it. Is it... It's eternally weird for me when I watch Wolves to just hear him be called Johnny. It just always jars me, takes me out of the game somehow. I don't know. It's 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 odd in a way. In in the same way when I watch Man United and I hear Fred, it just takes me out of the game somehow. It's weird. Chris, which players caught your eye? Um, I'll go down into League Two for mine. Uh. Because there are loads of answers here, but they're not that surprising or original or, you know, not just young English players that I've been losing my mind over for the last couple of months. Uh, informed players are talked about all the time. We've already mentioned Reese Nelson tonight, I think. Um, and he's getting all the attention he needs right now. So I'm staying a bit closer to home and dropping into League Two and to Tramia Rovers, who are nicely perched in a playoff position at the moment and James Norwood is my player and he's a player who's he's had to win me over from a pretty low starting point because of his Sutton United history long story um, and he's in double figures for league goals already this season and it just always seems to be him I keep an eye on what they're doing when I'm at Sphinx matches and every time they score a goal Norwood he scored the goal that got him promoted from the National League in a uh, the playoff final, which I hope and think we probably managed to get into a podcast before. We're going to do a whole episode about the National League playoff final from last season <laughs> at some point in the future because it was unreal. Um, I said when they got up that they would go straight to a double promotion and they've given themselves every chance of doing that. They may even be able to manage it automatically, although I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. And having a prolific striker in James Norwood has been a massive part of it. Um, as, as far as fourth-tier strikers go, now he's out on his own in terms of finishing ability and, and reliability in terms of his goal scoring. So, um, very impressive start to the season for a player who is really coming into his own and, and, and certainly uh, he's good enough for League One. Uh, yeah, good. Um, in terms of players that caught my eye, I found this question slightly difficult, if I'm honest, because all the usual suspects have really, you know, I, there's there's no one I can really point to as as a little nugget somewhere you won't have heard of. I, like my little list, Raheem Sterling, Ryan was right at the top of that list. James Madison, obviously, we've briefly mentioned. Jaden Sancho, who has just had an outstanding start to the season, um, you know, and and various others. I, there's yet to be that player that has caught my eye in terms of, you know, 
you'll you'll know this not just from the hundred, but you know each season there's always at least a couple of players that you watch, even if it's only in one game, that you think, yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on your career now. I will always know where you're playing. Um, mm. You know that sort of in, I don't know that weird bond that people who play Football Manager, for example, get with a particular player. I've yet to really have that with anyone. Um, I, I greatly enjoyed uh, watching Bradley Dax's performance for Blackburn on uh, Saturday. He's a very interesting player. But yeah, I'd, I'll be brutally honest with you, sort of outside of the, the normal players that we all know are playing really, really well, there hasn't really been anyone. I, I, you know, I'm hoping somebody can can keep going. I mean, if Jaden Sancho kept up his early season form, I mean, he would have one of the, the greatest seasons the Bundesliga has ever seen. There has to come a plateau at some point. There has to come a levelling off, um, which I'm acutely aware of. And it's probably going to come at that point where teams really start planning for him tactically properly. Um, but yeah, just the usual suspects. So, slight cop-out answer, but an honest one. So there. Right, both of you, with Fabio Rockham back, that's it. With <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to sort of uh, just to, to update the listenership we we have always wanted to keep this podcast going haven't we and we, it really has been just circumstances that have meant we've had to have this absence we will be back we want to keep it going we may not be able to promise you an episode every single week at the same time on the same day but we will be recording as frequently as possible and there's a rumour flying around that there's possibly a quiz coming up. Next episode, quiz! Quiz, 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 quizzy rascal. Uh, so we shall hopefully speak to you again next week. See you there. Bye. Bye.